0: Welcome to the Legislate podcast, where we share the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. Today, we have a wonderful guest, James Owusu, the CEO and founder of Checkboard. In this conversation, we will go into James's background and just learn about Checkboard and how they do contracts. So, uh, without any further ado, James, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Charles. Thanks Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. So my name is James. I'm the uh, founder of um, Checkboard. My background, I would probably start off with my property experience. I bought my first property in 2014 when I started my career in financial services. And for the following seven years after that, I... I continued to buy more properties and I stopped buying properties when I got to nine, and a nine property portfolio. And this was also the same time I decided to start Checkboard. So any questions you're, you know, willing to ask or, or want to understand about the landlord space, I would say I, I can safely answer them. And with my experience, I built Checkboard to solve the pain I had of rent arrears and how to reduce or eliminate rent arrears altogether.
0: So as you build that portfolio of nine properties, how are you choosing the properties, where were they based and why were you getting rent arrears?
1: Yeah, so that's a very interesting question. Uh, I don't think anybody's asking that way before. Um, so my first property uh, was in London, within a high growth area of, of North London. That property has rented out successfully over the seven year period with a uh, only one uh, point in time where I had rent arrears this was due to the fact that it, it was a council tenant and there was some mixed up between the council making the payments and then receiving the payments so that was a bit of an, an anomaly I would say so it's hard to build to account for such circumstances the other property that I've got, I'll probably say the ones that I've had rent arrears on. I had a property in Blackburn. I was chasing the yield conversation. Back then, there was a massive, go, to, go up north, Northern Powerhouse, you're going to get uh, high yielding properties. Not many people told me that with high yielding properties come significant arrears or people just not paying. So it kind of makes sense why the yields are so high. And ultimately, that's when I discovered the challenge of Having a distant relationship with your property, you can't easily walk down to it. You might not be fully aware of the challenges in the area. So I had rent arrears there because tenants either A couldn't afford it or they lost their jobs. Most of them were self-employed, so it was slightly tricky as well. And more recently, I, over the last three or four years, I bought some properties in Norwich. I've, I've got six flats over there and uh, throughout the COVID pandemic that was the first time I um, experienced rent arrears and most of it was due to outright fraud, people lying about their incomes, which other referencing companies didn't pick up. Or people using a a, a recruit a, a recruiter who's a friend to confirm their income via the employment reference. Again, something other referencing companies sadly couldn't pick up. Uh, and that leads into, you know, why uh, a solution is slightly different and hopefully eliminates more fraud than uh, our competitors. We don't really rely on any, uh, I would say subjective, subjective facts, let's call it that. And when, when I say subjective facts, I'm referring to a reference from somebody else, asking a, a previous landlord, how would this person, or asking an employer, uh, you know, how was, how likely this person to keep the job going forward or how much they earn. We rely more on objective facts which are uh, information that we capture from the applicant's bank account. information that is irrefutable because it has happened in the past. It is more data-driven and more fact- more factual than you know an email from somebody who might not be the manager or somebody who might not actually work for the company entirely. So these are the things that we um, you know focus on within Chetboard and why I built Checkboard.
0: That's fascinating. And, and, uh, a part of the checkboard story I, I wasn't aware of. So it was a pleasure really to hear that. And so you launched checkboard, so you've got a background in property. How did you find a technical partner? You know, how do you, go, did you go about starting checkboard after identifying that problem clearly and, and, you know, what would be a, a better solution?
1: Yeah, I would say my, my background is, is. I wouldn't call myself a, a coder, but I knew about a lot of no-code solutions. So that was my first point of call. I, I started building checkboard on a checkboard on, on Bubble, where I was able to piece everything together. And initially, it, it wasn't actually based on open banking at all. It was actually based on people submitting bank statements and, you know, what happens as, 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 as per present day. I validated it, Asked validated it and I was mainly focused on the speed of it because I, I quickly wanted to find out very quickly are you the right person to to rent a property and that was my initial objective after validating that with myself and other um, landlords i know in my network i thought right it's time to get a, a, a more technical solution to the product which involved open banking and the bells and whistles i'll call it rather than just an upload and document feature and yeah. And I found a, a, a technical co-founder or yeah, a technical co-founder at the time. And they got to building what would the MVP of today's, would very challenging journey and, and, and pulling it all together. But yeah, it's, 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 it's so far going in the right direction. So I
0: can't complain. Yeah. That's fascinating. So. Going from that first bubble version, which he used himself, to now having an MVP and customers, what do you think has been you know, your favorite moment so far? My
1: favorite moment so far has been the validation from landlords and estate agents confirming this product has actually made their lives amazingly easier. The factual information. that So we will literally look at somebody's income and tell them from the person's income how long they've been with that employer for. And look at how much uh, you know a rental transaction that they select and say based on this rental transaction they've, they've been paying this rent for the last you know 12 months or so and they have not missed a payment these are objective facts that we obtain from the bank and that we quickly share with people within and, and to hear from a landlord or an estate agent this is brilliant this is such an amazing product that uh, does always you know give you a great feeling and in one instance, we had a, a tenant not be so confident in going through the the process. However, the estate agent actually reminded them of the reason why they had to go through it. And, and having that kind of backing, uh, that kind of social proof is it, it, very important and, and
0: definitely provides a feel good factor. So I I think being able to provide objective data is really valuable. How would that work, for example, with let's say students or people who don't yet have that history? Are they part of your target group as well, or do you have a a different approach for them or, or are they just not the right fit for Checkboard?
1: So at Checkboard, we have catered for unemployed people, students, retired, uh, and and, put, and so we built unique flows for every single user type that we have thought about of course there are some educators that we are yet to come across so for students essentially within checkboard when they select that they're a student the next thing that we look to assess is if they have any income now a student can be a student but have some income or they might have savings so at a given point in time if they don't have any income they're going to have their student loan or maintenance grant which will be sitting in their bank account as cash so we can pick this up through open banking and provide that objective uh, objective truth. However, in the event where they haven't got an income and they haven't got, you know, student loan or maintenance, what we then do is we ask them to invite a guarantor who would be the one where we... That would be the person we do to check on. The guarantor we would check if they've got the income to afford the rent in case the student wants to not pay it. So I would like to say we have done our best to, you know, account for several use the type and then use the profiles, but so far, so good. Yeah. I mean,
0: and and I guess the current approach would typically be to use a guarantor, but I guess what you're doing on top is providing a more objective experience in those cases, even when you wouldn't exactly later. So no, that makes perfect sense. And since you've been working with clients and overcoming those edge cases, how is your understanding of the problem or. Your vision around the solution evolved since launching Checkboard?
1: Wow that's, that, that's, that's quite a um, an interesting question as well so originally we started with really the understanding that people we started with the understanding that Checkboard is to cater for the, the references and, 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 and all, all the checks that an agency needs one thing we haven't accounted for or we didn't account for were international students essentially meaning people who are You know moving into the uk to rent um, a property from another country may not have a bank account uh, on arrival however they do have a bank account in a country that they are you know uh, coming from so it has opened it it, it led to more i would say ideation around the product um, and being able to do some objective truth on their bank account in a different country, and kind of looking at that conduct, which is something that is not available today. You know, if if somebody is not based in the UK, it's quite challenging to capture that background from a different country. So we are exploring ways of of, of doing so to enable people who are moving into into the UK from other countries to have a seamless and easy journey as well as, uh, you know, UK nationals.
0: And So, so, so for those users, then, you know, I I guess you, you need to wait for them to open up an account in the UK. And exactly.
1: Yeah. So we're currently expanding our open banking um, proposition to account for, you know, people from different countries and and being able to look at those transactions rather than waiting for them to open a bank account. And even when they do open a bank account, they're going to have many transactions in it. And secondly, when you run a credit check on them, you're not going to get any information. So. A person that comes into the UK is practically a blank canvas Mm. with no historic data to go off the back of. However, when you look at the bank account that they had in in the country that they're coming from, you can then piece a a better picture together about who they are and and, and how they are likely to behave with your property.
0: Sure. And so I guess in terms of how you've seen Checkboard has been used so far and and where you've had traction, where do you kind of see Checkboard going over the next? three five years and do you think you will continue growing in property or, or will you also expand to you know other forms of checks
1: interestingly we have had quite a, a number of inquiries for other industries so for example fortunately with a name like uh checkboard as I'm sure you can relate Charles with a name of, like legislate um people think of your product and think oh what other things can you do and, and we, we've been fortunate to fall into that uh, category. And yeah, we, we are looking to expand into other forms of checks, like KYB checks. So for business contract and, and business partnership, we can help alleviate concerns on both sides with a, a quick, you know, KYB check. Also employment check is a field that we are looking to um, expand into, you know, before teachers, educators, doctors, nurses the healthcare industry as well. So it is definitely something that we've got expanding to other industries as well over the next...
0: I guess it's one step at a time.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly that. It's literally, you know, uh, taking it one step at a time.
0: Cool. And, and you mentioned contracts and business partners. As a CEO, what are the key contracts that you interact with on a daily basis or at least the most frequently?
1: I would probably say employment contracts for for my teams i've got partnership contracts where i'm signing agreements with our suppliers i'm aware that they do kyb checks for me but you know i'm soon to start doing kyb checks to them and i think personally i've also, I've also got the um landlord contract style so you know look at as well
0: yeah and you don't have a background in law right um
1: yeah i really don't have a background of law i mean whenever i see a contract the first thing i do is quickly read through it look for cancellation that's one of the biggest one of the biggest things i look for i'm just like okay i understand all this where the cancellation goes but yeah Yeah. so um that that's that's my focus anyway i have no background in law
0: that's for sure and i don't have a background in law either but i think the key thing that i wanted to highlight is it's not just lawyers who create and process and manage contracts lots of business people will create and manage contracts in in their work and part of what we're trying to do at legislate is empower them to do that efficiently and safely so yeah yeah and in those contracts that you do with your partners or uh, especially as you said they'll be doing kyb checks are there any common objections that you find in in the contract negotiation phase
1: i i have i have yet to come across i've yet to come across contracts where i've been able to negotiate them so i mean most of the time i'm negotiating the price of the contract right that's, that's like the first yeah. Uh, and the most common thing to negotiate. Outside of that, cancellation clauses or something that sometimes I, I I look at, you know, negotiating as opposed to twelve month contract, I might look at you know a six month contract for example. But as most of my contract, or most of the contract I look at are currently supplier agreements. Um, yeah. It is uh, slightly uh, more different because I'm, I'm 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 buying a service from them. So These are companies much bigger than me. So, you know, much bigger than Checkboard at the moment. So on, on, on those bases, you've got standard agreements and standardised agreements. A lot of uh, contracts or contract negotiations that I tend to come across come, come along within the um, employment space. Uh, mm-hmm. Like employment contracts, I, I do tend to have to kind of sometimes cater for different employee requirements, uh, which I'm sure you probably are One person might want a sign-on bonus and another person might not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to ruin the fund for it your guy's the legislator yeah you know you just have to kind of negotiate or, or have it, the contract to tailored to what you've negotiated during the interview
0: sure what would be your tips or piece of advice for a first-time negotiator
1: first-time employee or first-time ceo negotiating which one <laughs> um R- rule number one of
0: negotiation is ask another question
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you have it um yeah I, I, I think, yeah, I think from an, from an employee perspective, it doesn't really harm to just ask a question. If you have, you know, a, a requirement or something you'd like to achieve, or you might ask for, you know, a higher salary, which is usually one thing that most people look at. But another piece that a lot of people fail to require or request is more holidays or in, 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 in asking for a more flexible agreement rather than if, if if it's a three day work week or three day in the office work week you might want to go for one or one every two weeks these are all the other little perks that you can you can probably negotiate as an employer it, it kind of depends on the role isn't it? it it really depends on what you're trying to achieve and what what you are looking to to get out of the person's skills and experiences and how you would like that to contribute to your the business in the wider vision yeah so tailoring across that
0: important so i think the key insight here is don't be afraid to ask and (laughs) um, listen and understand what the bigger picture is
1: yeah definitely
0: great so we've got a couple of minutes left yeah we've got a closing question but before we close with the closing question is there a question you'd like to ask me
1: it would be quite interesting to if you can briefly share your experience and then after how you came about legislating, it's probably yeah. something I think, you know, people would love to hear, including myself, definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, similar to you, I experienced a problem firsthand. The problem that I experienced was negotiating contracts quickly enough to, you know, proceed with the, the agreement and the deal. I wasn't a lawyer, I'm not a lawyer, but I was doing business development. And during, contract negotiations, I would work closely with our lawyers, the other side lawyers, and it just would always seem to last too long for simple, low value contracts, which were too low value for it to be a priority of the other side effectively, because at the time these were, I was working at a startup and I wanted to effectively with legislate, allow the business users to reach an agreement without needing a full-on lawyer by our sides and and that's really where we started so it's allowing business users who aren't lawyers to create manage and negotiate and sign contracts by themselves without lawyers we again identified a tech technology which allows us to manage high volumes of contracts and also at the same time make use of contract data very easily and we've we've been experiencing quite a lot of traction in property because there's a lot of people who, well, a lot of landlords in the UK, at least creating lots of tenancy agreements and other related documents and, and really what we've, we're trying to do is allow everyone to tailor contracts and offer just a, which is tailored to their requirements and, and legally compliant and, and do it in such a way that it's a much better experience for everyone. It's a much safer experience and, and everyone saves time, saves money and and finally you know gets value from their contracts post signature with the insights so yeah that's been the journey and we're also exploring other areas including employment and small businesses where they will have lots of legal documents to create but not necessarily the legal resources and we're going one step at a time but we're confident that there is demand and there's room to grow
1: that that sounds super amazing. It just reminds me of a t- um, how many times I've I've put together contracts on on rocket law, um which <laughs> which were probably not fit for purpose, but I had to make the edits myself. Yeah. Um. So I'm quite looking forward to the next time I need to put in place a contract using um legislative to do that. Uh, as as, as you described, yeah, intuitive.
0: Of course, and and really, what we want to do is you know those edits that you would do yourself and might make sense to you, they <laughs> can have profound implications throughout the contract. And really what we're trying to yeah. do is give you the framework to make those edits and not have to worry about the implications. So sound good. But yeah, let me know when you want to, and we'll give you the VIP treatment you deserve.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So now time for the closing question, which we ask every single guest of the Legislate podcast. So yeah. if you were being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? What would impress me? Ooh.
1: The layout of the contract um, is one very important thing. I think a lot of contracts have a, have a very scattered layout. It's quite hard to kind of find the information that you're looking for. Sometimes that is done on purpose. I do not know if that's exactly true. But clearly contract struck is probably to me the most important point because it, being able to quickly identify the points that I'm looking for and to be able to quickly and easily go through the contract and, and assimilate the information with ease is, is probably quite important to me and, and I I'll definitely be impressed by that I've not come across many contracts that are structured in that way
0: so so contracts which are you know easy to read and well structured yeah, yeah, I, I think it's something that we haven't hundred percent done at legislate yet, but definitely something which is, really important for our users and, and for our vision. So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, James, um, for your time. You. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. I look forward to doing checks and, and helping you create legislate contracts.
1: Lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Charles. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. Take care. Um,